now, that, that's, that's good. But, but now you need to mark JD's name down on your bulletin, okay? Because uh, Satan doesn't play fair, does he? Okay? So it gets a little high here. Uh, yay, Lord. And now uh, we're going to pray like crazy. So watch over my friend JD, Lord. Thanks for uh, encouraging us with song. Amen. You can be seated. Yeah, that's good stuff. Church is not for those who have their acts all together. All right? That's, uh, that's what uh, the Pharisees were all about. That's just not real life. Your uh, besetting, entangling sin might be a little different from JD's. Myron, but we all got them. You know? Anyway. Do you know next week, uh, Bob, Pastor Bob, you made that pretty clear, but I'm going to say it again. Resurrection Sunday. Next Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Wow, Easter. Uh, and, and did you know... Uh, according to a couple studies done by uh, Lifeway, that a majority of your friends and family who don't go to church, not even on Easter, did you know that a majority of them would come with you next week if you invited them? Isn't that interesting? We just assume that bah, they wouldn't come. No. Uh, according to a, a really reliable study, most of them would come they're just waiting for somebody to invite them. So uh, I, I guess I just need to ask, are, are you willing to step up and be the missionary that they're waiting to hear from? Uh, we think about going off uh, doing missions trips all over, right? And that's great. That's, that's important. But uh, missions starts right here with our family and friends, people uh, who need us to uh, ask them and invite them. So if you invite them, you win. I think from the Lord's perspective, if you're willing to step out and ask whether they choose to take you up on your offer or not, you win. We'll leave that up to the Lord who will, uh, he'll get here in church next Sunday. But a lot of them will come. So here's, here's your uh, homework challenge if you'll accept it. Uh, who will say, pray for me, Pastor Jeff, uh, pray for me, church family, because I'm going to take you up on this challenge and I'll invite somebody uh, that doesn't go to church, and I'm going to see if they'll take me up on my offer next Sunday. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up because I'm going to pray for you. Now look around because you got, you got people who are right next to you, and they, they need you to pray for them. So let's real quick, let's, let's pray for them. Lord, uh, to step out and uh, risk being turned down is hard for us because we always want things to go smooth. But, Lord, uh, to risk inviting friends and family to come to your church to hear about your gospel and your son, that's worth the risk. So thank you for these hands who uh, declared their intention to uh, invite someone to join them next Sunday. And I'm asking that you'll give them the right opportunity and just the right words. Lord, they need to hear about your son Jesus and his amazing, sacrificial, eternal, unconditional love for them that J.D. just sang about. Lord, use your living church to be your spokesman this next week. And I pray for your blessing and your encouragement on each and every one of them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You ever wonder why uh, we need to get up early on Sunday mornings and come to church? Think about it. 
Why, why do we do this? Why, why do we have to uh, come and uh, why are we having new members class on April 20th and we're challenging you, come on, get in the game with us. Uh, why can't we just stay home and watch uh, church on television? Yeah, you know, that's so much easier, right? Just stay in your PJs, right? Uh, you could just stay, and, 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 you know, he's a better speaker anyway, so why not just stay home and, uh, or, you know, you can catch a service that's streaming live on the Internet. You don't even have to watch one from last week. We have the capability, at least lots of churches do, you can watch it streaming live. It's as though you're there with them. Or... Jack, why can't we just go find a scenic spot on Walloon Lake? Yeah, and just all by yourself, find a nice little spot and open up God's Word. And you could even sit there on your scenic spot on Walloon, right? And you can even sing to Jesus, just you and Jesus, right? So, so why, why can't we just go and, you know, get out on Walloon Lake or go to Lake Charlevoix or go out in the woods and uh, we'll, we'll just do our own little church me and Jesus. Does that sound romantic? It does, kind of, you know? Well, well the three verses we're going to look at this morning go a long way to explaining why the local church is needed and necessary. Why the local church is God's plan to change the world. And, oh, I'm going to do church. I'm just going to go do some snowshoeing You know, I'm going to go out to uh, Young State Park or Petoskey State, and it'll just be me and Jesus out there enjoying his creation. You ever heard people talk that way? Yeah, oh yeah, maybe some of you fall into it. Oh yeah, I'm just going to get in the canoe, and I'm going to go on the Boyne or the Bear River, and yeah, I've got church. That's the best place for me to have church is right there in my canoe. Um, Well, there's answers to why that's not a biblical option 1 Timothy chapter 3, slide down to verse 14. Let's stand together and let's read about why God's church is needed and necessary. Verse 14, it's on the back of your bulletin. Let's declare it out loud together to one another. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be in your church today. And Lord, we regularly tell you that this is your church, but we want to say it one more time. Because, Lord, the truth is, there's a part of us that always want to think that this is my church. And... uh, We want to take charge, and yet, Lord, I just want you to know we realize that your son, Jesus Christ, is the author. He's the savior. He's the brains. He's the sustainer. He's the king. He's the the power source of every good thing that happens here. So we just want to give you credit for that. 
Lord, uh, help us to have ears that are ready to hear and listen. Lord, give us hearts that are open to what your word has to say. Give us minds that are receptive to your spirit. Lord, give us eyes that are alert and wake us up from our sleepiness. And Lord, uh, I'm just asking that where we fall short from what we're going to study today, that we as your church and we as individuals might be open to your correction. So uh, as we examine what you have to say to us, Lord, wherever we've gotten off track, Lord, we give you permission. Point that out, and, and we're ready to do it according to your book, according to your plan. And Lord, I pray for those who've been beaten up and wounded and kicked in this dry and weary world this last week. Lord, may uh, being in your church today bring hope and joy and encouragement. Recharge our batteries today. May Jesus shine bright and strong and powerful in his church today. And all the family of King Jesus gathered in his church said with enthusiasm, You did it. (laughs) You may be seated. Verse 14. Paul writes, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing to you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, we think that Paul was in Macedonia and uh, he was trying to get to Ephesus. Most biblical commentators will believe that Paul did in fact make it back to Ephesus, but it was a few years after these words were written. So he's writing this down, and he's saying, here's the purpose why I'm writing to you, young, sickly, shy, easily discouraged pastor that I've appointed named Tim. Uh, here's, Here's why I'm writing to you. Look at it, verse 15. So that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. What's that talking about? Which is the church of the living God. God's instructions here are about how the church at Ephesus, how the church at Walloon, how we ought to, look at verse 15, how we ought to conduct ourselves as members of God's household. Household. And I just said it, but let me just say it one more time. The church at Ephesus was not Paul's church. Even though he was an apostle, that wasn't Paul's church. The church at Ephesus wasn't Timothy's church. The church at Ephesus was not the elders and the deacons' church. Look at verses 1 to 13. We covered that last week. Verse 15, the local church is God's household. Uh, It's the church of the living God. He's the owner. He's the proprietor. He's the king, the Lord, the master. Okay, Um, It belongs to God Almighty, always has, always will. And and I like what he says, it's God's household. He's talking family. He's talking family relationship. Look at verse 15. I want you to see it. This is God's household. When the church gathers, this is God's family that's gathering together. We are daughters and sons of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And we are related to family, our Heavenly Father. And oh, by the way, if he's the Father, then that means as we gather, look around side to side. Look to your right. 
Okay, okay. Okay, now look to your left, and now you can look, turn around. You don't look around, turn around much. Not allowed to do that, right? That's poor form, but no. Those are your brothers and sisters. Did you know that, Bruce? We're family. And, and, and when we gather here together, we are literally family in Christ. And we're talking family that has bonds forged by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those are strong, powerful lasting, Jason, eternal bonds, okay? This is family that's for keeps. So we come together as the church of the living God, and this is eternal relationships. This is relationships that are going to last. Um, first reason we gather together is because we're family. And, and when you're out on your canoe, when you're sitting out by the lake, when you're in the woods, that's nice, I'm glad you do that. I hope you have your devotions and you think about Jesus and maybe even open up his word when you're out there. That's great. But that's not church. You're not gathered with your family. Do you understand? First reason you got to be here in church, first reason why it doesn't work when you're watching it on television is because you're not gathered with your family. We gather together, look at verse 15, as the church of the living God. Hold your spot. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is a related thought, but it's a little bit different. Ephesians chapter 2. Actually, it's chapter 3 and verse 20. Slide down there. This is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And where is Timothy right now? The church at? He's at Ephesus. Yeah, same church. And I just want you to see the end of the prayer. This is pretty cool. It says, now to him, Jesus Christ, that's the subject here, now to Jesus Christ, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him, Jesus, be glory. And most of us, we stop and we say, man, I got the power, right? Yeah, power. I'm powerful. I'm bold. I'm beautiful. All right. We could go on. Um, But now we stop too quick. Look at verse 21. To Jesus be glory where? The the power is when we're gathered together corporately. Do you understand? Yeah, individually the Lord's, but together corporately in the church and in Christ Jesus. Oh, by the way, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Second reason we gather together? There's power in the church gathered. Now, there might be power (laughs) when you're off and and you're you're snowshoeing through the woods. That's nice. And and, and there's power when, when you're off in your boat or you're walking through your favorite woods. There's power there, but there's power. The power of the more than we could ask or imagine when the local church gathers, and you need to understand that, and it's been so throughout all generations, okay? And if you'll just think the living God of the universe considers this local church his family, your God's family. You're related to royalty, and he's alive, and he's active, and he's moving, and he's in us, and he's through us, and nothing in all creation could ever separate you and I from the love that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Romans 8, 39. Um, here's the problem. We've kind of got this rugged American individualism, and you know what? I'm fine by myself, and I don't need anybody else, and I'm good. And the truth is, no, you're not okay, according to God's book. You need the family, and you need to be a part of God's household. And secondly, we need to have the power that is present when the church is gathered together. As, as the body of Christ. You tracking? And, and yet, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'll do it on my own. Uh, I'll get on my tractor and I'll mow the lawn and have church. N- no, you won't. You, you can mow the lawn, but that's not church. And that's not God's plan for you. Yeah, mow your lawn, but then come to church. Make sense? Do that on Saturday. On Sunday, get up and come to church. Gather. Because the church is the connected, very alive family of the living, active, moving, sovereign God of the universe. And you got to get out of your, well, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, if I feel, if I come once in a while, it's, no, that's not true. When you're missing, you're missing your family and you're missing out on the power of the church gathered. Make sense? You need the family. You need the power of God. Okay? So, a church of one sitting on the ice on Deer Lake or in a shanty by yourself on Crooked Lake is not a biblical option because you're ignoring the family. You're not staying connected. Now, verse 15, he continues on. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Um. The city of Ephesus at this time was the second largest city in the Roman Empire. Uh, you, you need to understand this was a massive city that Paul has sent young Timothy back to get the church in order. Uh, it was a center of commerce, a center of culture, and a center of pagan idolatry. Matter of fact, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world was right here in Ephesus. It was the Temple of Artemis. Some of you might refer to her as the Temple of Diana. Uh, the more accurate word is Artemis. She was the goddess of fertility. And people would come from all around the world by the tens of thousands to admire this amazing, massive temple, 60 feet tall, 127 massive pillars, columns etched with marble and gold. Uh, And you have this enormous temple dedicated to uh, really what was likely, according to archaeologists, you ready? Likely a meteorite had fallen. And now, oh, something fell from the sky. It must be God. And now they built a massive temple and called it Artemis. Uh, It was really a a funny-shaped meteorite, likely. And now we're going to gather and we will build a temple around this rock and we will worship it. And they built these elaborate rituals involving temple prostitutes And it was all about, well, surely if you come and you worship this meteorite, this piece of rock, if you're infertile and barren and can't have kids, then uh, 
this God who sent this rock to us will enable that to happen. Um, that was what the heart of what was going on. Now, now go back here, verse 15, last part of it. Paul's telling them, your city has this architectural wonder, Tim, this religion based on a dead God, based on lies and deceptions. But you, church at Ephesus, you, church at Walloon, you're a church that's alive. You're a part of the living, active God's household, uh, on the march, on the move, full of power. And look at it, last part of verse 15, you are grounded and rooted on the bedrock of God's truth. Verse 15, pillar and foundation of the, what's it say? Truth. That's the word of God. Your, your church is built on the Bible. Our God is alive and eternal and treats us like family. And now look just down the road, tens of thousands of people are going to this temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana, and they're bowing down and doing all these weird things to a rock. <laughs> and he's saying, don't, don't you see the difference? They're worshiping a piece of stone, and you're serving the living, active, alive, eternal God of the universe. And you're basing your, your facts on truth. What you're building your church on is the truth of God's word. So, so I'm sure you're thinking right now, but those, those silly Ephesians, <laughs> those silly people who would travel, who would ever go and bow down and, and worship a piece of stone? Who, who would ever believe those lies and deceptions? And, and I would respond, 2013, you're right, we're much more advanced we, we worship Gorilla Glass, and, and, and it's got this fancy little apple on the back. And, and, and we worship um, things like pieces of green paper, and it has guys' uh, pictures printed like, um, what is it, uh, Jackson, it says on this one. Or maybe you worship the one that has Franklin on it. Or, or maybe you like Ben Franklin or, or uh, Abraham Lincoln. Again, you can pick your favorite, but, but we're far too advanced, right? We would never worship such silly things. I, I'm telling you, we're still prone to wander and worship foolishly. And, and look what it says. We're basing the church on truth. We're called to corporately gather and secure and hold on to and declare the reality of God's truth. And that's the third reason we gather here. We need to remind one another, this is how we live. This is what is true. This is what we build our lives on. This is what the church is built on and must always remain on. The church depends on the truth for its existence. Think with me. And the truth, God's word, depends on the church to proclaim and give it forth to everybody who will listen. And uh, what exactly is the key core truth that we're supposed to declare, that we're supposed to proclaim? I'm glad you asked. Verse 16, here we go. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. Okay? Mystery. In the Old Testament, nobody knew it. But in the New Testament, it's been revealed in Christ Jesus. 
Don't let that word get you, okay? It, it, was a, it was a mystery in the Old Testament, but now it's been revealed in Jesus Christ. And the mystery of Jesus Christ, and that's what godliness is all about, is what does it say? It's great. It's great. And now he's going to get into the facts of the mystery that's been revealed in Christ Jesus. You ready? And, and this was a, probably an early song sung in the early church. Okay, verse 16 was probably a song. Um, Lori, I thought about singing it, you know. He appeared in a body. No, we won't do that. I tried to do it with Gilligan's Island, and it didn't work for me. Six stanzas, ready? And this is the mystery of godliness revealed in Jesus Christ. He appeared in a body, number one was vindicated by the Spirit, number two. Was seen by angels, number three. Number four, was preached among the nations. Number five, was believed on in the world. And finally, number six, was taken up in glory. This is proclaiming the key, core, central fact of history. And what is that key, core, central fact of history? Casey, it's Jesus. <laughs> It's, it's, it's all about Jesus and what he's done and, and, and what he accomplished for us. And, and in just kind of a simple hymn, it, it's all about proclaiming to the world the key truth, and that's about Jesus Christ. Now let's break it down for just a minute, okay? Uh, stanza number one of this early song. Um, he appeared in a body. The eternal Son of God the second person of the Trinity left the glory and the splendor of heaven and he entered humanity by taking on a human body and being born out of the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he lived that sinless life in that body for 33 years. That's a, that's a key fact. <laughs> he appeared in a body, a human body. Fact number two. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. What does that mean? Um, Romans 1.4. You can write this down. He was literally bodily, physically dead in the tomb. You remember that? that that's next Sunday, right? That's that message. Romans 1.4. And through the Spirit of holiness, Jesus was appointed the Son of God in power by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So how did Jesus go from being dead in the tomb to alive? It was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Need another verse? Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Let me say it again. Jesus was dead, literally, bodily, physically, but he didn't stay that way because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came upon Jesus and he sat up and he walked right out of that tomb, defeated sin and Satan and death for you and for me. And oh, by the way, Romans eight eleven, you know what it says? That very same spirit, where does it live today? The one that raised Jesus from the dead. Where does that spirit live today? And, and the answer is, point to where the spirit lives. He lives here. 
And now as we gather, power, power is here. Uh, Third fact, back to verse 16. Third stanza of the song. Jesus was seen by angels. (laughs) They saw everything. Uh, Practically every step along the way uh, foretold his birth to Joseph and Mary, Luke 1, Matthew 1, sang as a choir at his birth, Luke 2, 14, took care of Jesus after 40 days in the desert in temptation with Satan, Matthew 4, 11, there at the empty tomb when the women arrived, Luke 24, and what are millions and millions and millions of angels doing today? Revelation 5.12. Any guesses? They're worshiping the resurrected Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're still amazed at what Jesus has done for us. They're like, wow. And all they can do is just keep worshiping and praising and adoring King Jesus. Fourth fact. We as a church must proclaim Jesus has been and must continue to be preached among the nations. It's been going on now for over 2,000 years. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. You know those verses, right? Go. And what's the next two words? This is like what we're all about as a church. What is it? Go and make disciples. A few of you. Say it with me because this is like really important. We make That's what church is all about. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. And then after you get someone who's who's obeying, what do they do? They're supposed to go and make more disciples and get involved in the church and, and get them to the point where they're ready to go public and baptize, teach them to obey, and then that's been passed on down to us for 2,000 years. Keeps going. Practical application, you ready for this? First week of November, we as a church have the opportunity to kind of go and explore a relationship with a church in Haiti. In Haiti, the uh, poorest nation in our hemisphere. And right now, we have 14 people signed up, paid, they're on their way. We are maxed out at 16, which means practical application. We have room for two of you. Uh, And uh, some of you have talked a little bit about it and you've thought about it. Um, If you're interested in putting uh, fact number four into practice, and we're going to go to the mountains of Haiti and going to help a a church there in the mountains, remote mountains of Haiti, go proclaim Jesus right there in their mountains. See me today, okay? Uh, That was a little side commercial, no extra charge. Now we're back to the show. Fifth fact that the church, but it does apply if you've got to admit, the, the church is called to deliver Jesus Christ to be believed. Look at it. The, the fifth was believed on in the world. Jesus Christ is to be believed and received. Uh, and whosoever believeth in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. You, you see the point there? Uh, and now, if you'll believe in what he's done, you've got everlasting life. That's the point of that stanza of the song. And Jesus Christ and his followers have changed the world by far more than any other person, any other religion in all of the course of history. By far. Jesus Christ is the central figure in all of history. Matter of fact, 
History is dated B.C., which is what? Before Christ, and A.D. is what? After his death. Uh, there are a few that don't like that, and they try to change that. But, but the world as a whole, we even date history according to Jesus. The Bible's the number one book of this world by far. And our message is this. If you'll believe in Jesus, what he's accomplished by his sinless life, by his death and shed blood, by his resurrection from the dead, if you'll believe in that message, are you ready? He'll change you too. That's the fact. He, he's, he's changed millions, and I would probably argue billions of people over 2,000 years. And he'll change you too if you'll believe in what he's done for you. And the sixth and final fact, Jesus was taken up in glory. <laughs> he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's the place of position and power and honor and glory. Acts chapter 2, 32, God has raised Jesus to life. We're witnesses. He's at the right hand of the Father, and now he's going to make the enemies his footstool. I like that. He's just going to put his feet up on his enemies. And today, Jesus is ruling, and he's reigning, and he's getting accomplished his will, despite all the craziness of this world. Think about it. All that goes on, and yet God is working, and, and he's operating in such a way that he's getting all things to come together for his good. That's awesome. That's our, that's our resurrected, ascended Lord. Um, now let's just draw this all together. We're the family, the household of God gathered. And it's our duty, our responsibility to declare these facts. People need to know about the central person of history, and his name is Jesus Christ. The living God, as we gather, we're reminded, oh yeah, it's all about Jesus, right? And now as you head out this next week, everywhere you go, don't forget the key, core, central person of history is who we need to be talking about. Talk about Jesus everywhere you go. We gather together to spur one another on towards, anybody know what the next words? Love and, yeah, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you see things get a little more wicked, things are getting a little more evil today, you need to be in church all the more is the point. <laughs> we need each other even more as the day of Christ's return nears. So, why church? Why come? <laughs> why not just go fishing? Why not just walk in the woods? Just get in your canoe, go on the boat, sleep in, watch it on TV. First, you ready? Because we're family. And I gather together here with brothers and sisters in Christ. We're connected for how long? Eternally, yeah. And, and if you're saying here, but I don't think I know uh, people very well, th then what's the solution? What do you think it is, Ed? Then I'm, I'm just going to stay away and only come once every few months, right? Does that help? No. If you don't know the family, what do you got to do? You need to come and get even more connected. You need to join a small group. You need to find a place to serve. You need to get in the game. Maybe you need to come on April 20th and, and join. 
It's time to get in the game. Second, we gather together because there's power and authority in the local church gathered. This, this is God's plan. Do you understand? God's tool to reach northern Michigan is us and other local churches who are doing it by the book. Understand? So, so we gather because there's power and authority in the church gathered. Thirdly, we gather together to remind one another, oh yeah, it's about the cross, it's about Jesus, it's about his shed blood, it's about his resurrection from the dead, and he's the king of the universe right now, and they need to believe that. They need to receive that. Remind each other of the truth. And then we go proclaim it. And finally, we gather because we need encouragement. Anybody have kind of a discouraging week this past week? Anybody? Go ahead. You can lift up your hand. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. JD, you did a good thing. You, you admitted weakness. And guess what? It's true for every one of us. We need regular encouragement. We need people to say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to pray for you. I love you. You're going to get through this. By God's grace, we're going to make it. Challenge each other to keep walking with Christ. Especially especially as, as the days get darker. I'm telling you what, <clears throat> this is the place to be. You want to be where the action is? It's the local church. It's God's plan to change the world. It's God's plan to uh, proclaim the truth. It's God's place where his power and authority reside. It's the place we come, Bruce, to get encouraged, to get reminded. Well, I'm going to spur you. You know what spur means? To kick each other in the pants, literally. Spur one another on. Come on, don't give up. What's wrong with you? Don't be a wimp, Bruce. Come on, you can make it. And then when I got my times, you kick me in the pants too, okay? So we both do it to each other. That's what the church is all about. We need the local church. And God knew it, and that was his plan. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, showing us clearly what you have in mind for today. And uh, clearly today, Lord, your plan is to use your church. And, and Lord, I, we can't say it loud enough or often enough. This is your church. You're the author, the sustainer, the power source. You're the one who sent your son Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to establish the church. And Jesus gets the honor and the glory and the credit for any good stuff that happens here. Thank you for allowing us to be members of your household, your family. To think that we're related to you, royalty, blows circuits in our brains. What a privilege and an honor. May we never take it for granted. And Lord, if there are some here who uh, have gotten in the habit of uh, doing Woods Church or Canoe Church or Ice Shanty Church or Laying in Bed Church, Lord, I, I pray that even today they might be reminded that that's not an option according to your book. And Lord, may we be looking this week for opportunities to speak up about your son. The, the key central person of history is your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. He's what church is all about. So Lord, give us opportunities this week to speak up. Give us opportunities this week to invite some folks to come, come with us next Sunday. 
Lord, uh, and finally, I want to pray for those who are here and they need encouragement. Lord, help us to wake up and pay attention. There's people sitting right to our right and our left and in front of us and behind us who need us to love and pray and listen and care for them because they're brothers and sisters in Christ and they're hurting. So, Lord, help us to pay attention. It's in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. We pray these things.